Ashley Burke, printing Diane Palmer's book, Jordan, Chapter 8. Janet was still in hiding before the primary election and probate hadn't begun. But plenty had changed in Jacobsville. Libby and Kurt had been forced to move out of the farmhouse where they'd grown up because the bank had foreclosed. They hadn't said a word to Jordan about it. Kurt moved into the bunkhouse at the Wright Ranch where he worked. Libby moved into a boarding house where two other Jacobsville career women lived. Bailey would have had to be boarded and Libby didn't have the money, but she worked out a deal with the dude ranch nearby. Bailey would be used for trail rides for people who were nervous of horses and Libby would help out on the weekends. wasn't the ideal solution, but it was the only one she had. The wrench to give up Bailey, even though it wasn't going to be forever. Jordan and Julie Mayo was apparently engaged. Or so Julie was saying, and she was wearing a huge diamond on her ring finger. Her father was using every dirty trick in the book to gain his prayer party's candidacy. Julie Mayo was vehemently outspoken about some unnamed dirty tactics being used against her father in the primary election campaign, and she went on television to make accusations against Calhoun Ballinger. The next morning, Blake Kep had her served as a defendant in defamation lawsuit. <laughs> They're not going to win this case, Julie raged to Jordan. I want you to get me the best attorney in Austin. We're going to put Calhoun Ballinger right in the gutter where he belongs, along with all these jump-up, nobody rich. They think they own our county. <laughs> Jordan, who was one of those jump-ups, gave her curious, excuse me, he asked Colby. Well, I'm not standing by while Ballinger talks my father's constituents into deserting him. You're the one who's making allegations, Julie, Jordan said quietly, to anyone who was willing to listen. She waved that away. You have to do that to win elections. I'm not going to be party to anything dishonest, Jordan said through his teeth. Julie backed down. She go against him and said, okay, I'll tone it down for your sake, but you aren't going to let Calvin Boundary sue me, are you? Jordan didn't know what he was going to do. He felt uneasy at Julie's temperament and her tactics. He'd taken her side against Kep when she told him that one of the boys at her graduation party put something in the co-person's girl's drink. She couldn't turn him in. She cried about Libby Collins making horrible statements against her, but Libby had never done such a thing before. He liked being Julie's escort, being accepted by the social crowd she ran around with, but it was getting old, and he was beginning to believe that Julie was only playing up to him for money to put her into her father's campaign. Libby had tried to warn him. He jumped down her throat. He felt guilty about that, too. He felt guilty about a lot of things. Like, listen, I said, I think you need to step back and take a good look at what you're doing. Count Bounder is some, isn't some minor citizen. He and his brother own a feedlot that's nationally known. Beside that, he has the support of most of the people in Jacobsville with money. My father has the support of the social statute. Yes, but surely they're the older league. The demographics have changed in Jacobs County in the past 10 years. Look around you. The hearts are a political family from the roots up. The brother is the state attorney general, and he's already casting a serious eye on what's going on in Jacobsville City Council about those police officers. The mayor is trying to suspend. They can't do anything about that, she argued. Julie, the hearts are related to Chief Dreyer, he said shortly. She hesitated. For the first time, she looked uncertain. Not only that. They're related to, to the governor and the vice president. And while it isn't well known locally, grass people are very wealthy. She sat down. She ran a hand through her blonde hair. Why didn't you see this before? I tried to, he pointed out. You refused to listen. But daddy can't possibly lose the election, she said with a child's understanding of things. He's been state senator from this district for years and years. And now the voters are looking for some new blood, he told her. 
not only in local government, but in state and national government. You and your father don't really move with the times, Julie. Surely you don't think Calhoun can beat Daddy? I think he's going to, he replied honestly, rubbing his hands in his pocket. He's way ahead of your father in the polls, you know that. You and your father have made some bad enemies trying to have those police officers fired. You're going on the wrong side of not only Cascade, but the hearts as well. There will be repercussions. I've already heard talk of a complete recall of the mayor and the city council. But the mayor is daddy's nephew. He, how could they? Don't you know anything about small towns? He ground out. Julie, you spent too much time in Austin with your father and not enough around here where the elections are decided. This is just a hick town, she said, surprised. Why should I care what goes on here? George's face on because Jacobs County is the biggest county in your father's district. Can't get reelected without it. You damaged his campaign, by the way. You behave to the Collins. That's nobody. She's got her father is a direct descendant of old John Jacobs. He pointed out they may not have money and they may not be socially acceptable to you and your father, but the Collinses are highly respected here. The reason Calhoun's got such support is because you tried to hurt Libby. That's absurd. She's a good person, he said, averting his eyes as he called his unworthy treatment of her. And of Kurt, on Julie's back, she had some hard knocks recently. So have I, she said hotly. Most notably, having a lawsuit filed against me for defamation of character by that lawyer cap, she turned up. Are you going to get me a lawyer or do I have to find my own? Jordan was counting his losses while there was still time. Felt like ten kinds of fools for the way he behaved in the past. I think you better do that yourself. But I'm not going against Calhoun Ballinger. She's got, you'll never get the Collins woman to like you again, no matter what you do, she said outly. Or didn't you know that she and her brother have forfeited the ranch up to the bank? They what? <laughs> Nobody would loan them the money they needed to save it, she said with a cold smile. So the bank president foreclosed. Daddy had a long talk with him. He looked furious. His big fist was That was low, Julie. When you want to win, sometimes you have to fight dirty, she said simply. You belong to me. I'm not letting some nobody but a little dirt rancher take you away from me. We need you. I don't belong to you, he returned, scooping up his hat. In fact, I... Never felt dirtier than I do right now. She gave to him. I beg your pardon. You can't talk to me like that. I just did. <laughs> Started toward the door. You're no loss, Jordan. She yelled at him. We needed your money, but I never wanted you. You're one of those jump-ons with no decent background. I'm sorry I ever invited you here the first time. I'm ashamed I told my friends how I liked you. That makes two of us, he murmured icily. Went out the door without a backward glance. Cap was going over some notes with Libby when Jordan Powell walked into the office without bothering and not. I'd like to talk to Libby for a minute. Said Ptolemy, hat in hand. Libby stared at him like, I can't thank you. What? I can't think what you have to say, she replied. I'm very busy. She is, Cap replied. I'm doing court in 30 minutes. Then I'll come back in 30 minutes, Jordan replied. Feel free. Feel free, but I won't be here. I have nothing to say to you, Jordan. She told him bluntly, You turned your back on me when I needed you the most. I don't need you now. I never will get. Listen, he began impatiently. No, she turned back. What were you saying, boss? Cap hesitated. He could see the pain in Jordan's face, and he had some idea that Jordan had just found out the truth about Julie Merrill. Listen, I can read your writing. Just give me the pad, and I'll get to the courthouse. It's okay. He added when she looked as if he were deserting her to the enemy, really. She bit her lower lip. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Jordan said stiffly as Cap got up from the desk. 
you owe me one. He replied as he passed the tank to rancher on the way out the door. Minutes later, Mabel went into the captain's office to put some notes on his desk, leaving Jordan and living alone. I've made some bad mistakes, he began stiffly. He hated apologies. Usually he found ways not to make them, but he hurt Libby too badly not to try. She was staring at her keyboard, trying to listen. The others understand what it's been like for me, he said hesitantly. Sat down on the chair next to her desk with his wide brim hat and said, My people were like yours, poor. My mother had money, but her parent, her people disinherited her when she married my dad. I never had two nickels to rub together. I was that pal kid whose father worked for wages, whose mother was reduced to working as a housekeeper. Stared at the floor with his pride. I wanted to be somebody, Libby, as all I've ever wanted, just to have respect from the people who mattered in this town. He shrugged. I was like, going around with Julie would give me that. I don't suppose you noticed that her father belongs to a group of respectable people with no who no longer have any power around here. She said simply, he said, no, I didn't. I had my head turned. She was beautiful and rich and cultured, and she came at me like a hurricane. I was in over my head before I knew it. <laughs> Libby, who wasn't beautiful or rich or cultured, felt her heart breaking. She knew all this, but it hurt to hear him admit it, because it meant that those hungry, sweet kisses she shared with him meant nothing at all. He wanted really I've broken it off with her, he said bluntly. Libby didn't say, did you hear me? He asked impatiently. She looked up at him with disillusion eyes. You believed her, said I was shacking up with Harley Fowler. She said I attacked her in this office and hurt her feelings. You believed all that, even though you knew me. And when she attacked me in Barbara's Cafe and on the courthouse steps, you didn't say a thing. Words don't mean anything, pal, she said bitterly. You can sit there and apologize and try to smooth over what you did for the rest of your life, but I won't listen. When I needed you, you turned your back on me. I guess I did. I can understand that you were flattered by her attention, she said, but Kurt and I have lost everything we had. Her father is dead, and we don't even have a home anymore. You can move in with me. She laughed bitterly. Thanks. No, listen, said earnestly Lena Porter. She held up a hand. Don't. I've had all the hard knocks I can handle. I don't want anything from you, Jordan. Not anything at all. He wanted to bite something. He felt furious at his own stupidity. That is blind allegiance to Julie Merrill and her father as his naivety and letting them use him. He felt even worse about the way he turned on Libby, but he was afraid of what he felt for her. Afraid of her use. Her ch changeability. Now he only felt like a fool. <laughs> Thanks for the offer and the apology. She added, Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to work. She turned on the computer, brought up a work screen, and shut Jordan out of her sight and mind. Got up slowly and moved toward the door. He hesitated at it, glanced back. What about the autopsy? He asked suddenly. She swallowed hard. Daddy died of a heart attack, just like the doctor said, she said. He said, And Violet's father? It was poison, she replied. Riddle had a lucky escape. He commented. So did you and Kurt? She didn't look at him. I just hope they can find her before she kills some other poor old man. He nodded. After a minute, he gave her one last soulful glance and went out the door. Life went on as usual. County's campaign staff cranked up the heat. Libby spent her free time helping to make up flyers and make telephone calls, offering to drive voters to the poll during the primary election if they didn't have a way to get to the polls. You know... I really think Calhoun's going to win, Kurt told Libby, while they were having a quick lunch together on Saturday after she got off from work. He smiled. So do I. He's got all kinds of support. He picked up his picture.
heard from Jordan. She said, he came by the office to apologize a few days ago. Rumor is that Julie Merrill's courting Duke right now. <laughs> Good luck to her. He's still in love with his wife. And he's not quite as gullible as Jordan. <laughs> Jordan wasn't so gullible. He defended his woman. When a woman that pretty turns up the heat, most Mormon women will follow her anywhere. She lived both routes, even you. He grinned, I'm not normal. I'm a cowboy. She chuckled and sipped her icy. We're still looking for Janet. I've had I've had an idea, she said. Shoot. What if we advertise our property for sale in all the regional newspapers? Whoa, he said. We can't sell it. We don't have power of attorney, and the will's not even approved yet. She's a suspected murderer, she reminded him. Felons can't inherit, did you know? If she's tried and convicted, we might be able to get her to return everything she got from Daddy's estate. He frowned him. You remember Dad telling us about a new will he made? She went, no, maybe you weren't there. It was when he was in the hospital, just before he died. He could hardly talk for the pain, and he was grasping for breath. But he said there was a will. He said he put it in his safest place. He found him one. I never thought about that until just now. But what if he meant a new will, Libby? It wouldn't have been legal if it wasn't witness, she said sadly. He might have written something down, and she found it and threw it out. I doubt it would stand up in court. No, he went to San Antonio without Janet about two days before he had the heart attack, he persisted. Who did he know in San Antonio? She wondered about. Why don't you ask Mr. Kep to see if his private detective could snoop around? He cues awfully. She lips. It would be a long shot, and we couldn't afford to pay him. Dad had a coin collection that was worth half a million dollars, Libby Kurt said. It's never turned up. I can't find any record that he ever sold it either. Her lips fell open. In the agony of the past few months, that had never occurred to her. It seemed Janet cashed it in. She had the insurance money, reminded her, and the property, or so she assumed. But when we were sorting out Dad's personal belongings, that case he kept the coins in was missing. What if, he added, he took it to San Antonio and left it with someone along with an altered will? She was trying to think. It wasn't easy. If they had those coins, if nothing else, they could make the loan payment. I can ask Mr. Kept if he'd look into it, she said. He can take the money out of my salary. I can contribute sort of some of mine. Kurt added. Felt lighter than she had when I'll go ask him right now. Finish your sandwich, Bertie Cody. You lost weight, baby sister. She <laughs> I've been depressed since we had to leave home. Yeah, me too. She's mad on. But things are looking up. She found Kept just about to leave for the day. She stopped him at the door and told him what she and Kurt had been discussing. He closed the door behind them, picked up the phone, and dialed the number. Libby listened while he outlined the case to someone. Most likely the private detective he hired to look for Janet. That's right, he told me. One more thing. There's a substantial coin collection mission as well. I'll ask. He put his hand over his fever and asked Libby for a description of it, which he gave to the man. He added a few more comments. <laughs> Considering the age of those coins and the value, it wouldn't be hard to trace them if they'd been sold. Good work, Libby. Thank my brother. She replied, while he remembered it. You, you would have to, I expect, in time. He said in contact. Want me to have a talk with the bank president? He added. I think he might be more amendable to letting you and Kurt back on the property with his new angle in line. Might be to his advantage. He added in a satisfied tone. You mean if we turn out to have that much money of our own, free and clear, it would make him very uncomfortable if we put it in the Jacobsville Municipal Bank and not his? Exactly, her eyes blazed, which is exactly where we will put it if we get it. She added, he chuckled, no need to tell him that just yet. Her eyes were open. Mr. Kent, you have a devious mind, he smiled. 
what else is new? <laughs> Libby was furious at herself for not thinking of her father's impressive coin collection until now. She watched those coins come in the mail for years without really noticing them. But now they were important. They meant the difference between losing their home and getting it back again. She sat on pins and needles over the weekend and so kept her from the private detective the following Monday afternoon. He buzzed Libby, told her to come into the office. He was smiling when she got there. We found them. He said chuckling when she made a whoop loud enough to bring Maple down the hall. It's okay, Libby told her earlier. I've just had some good news for a change. Maple grinned and went back to work. <laughs> Libby sat down on the chair in front of Kemp's big desk, smiling at what your father left the coins with the dealer who locked them in his safe. He was told not to let Janet have them under any circumstances. He had a gentleman because besides that, there was a will. He's got that, too. That's not self-made will, either. It was done by a lawyer in the dealer's office and witnessed by two people who work for him. Libby's eyes filled with tears. Daddy knew. He knew she was trying to cut us out of the will. He must have. He conceded. Apparently, she's made some comments about what she was going to do, do when he died. And she'd been harassing him about his health, making remarks about his heart being weak as well as how. Whatever the cause, he changed the will in your favor. Yours and Kurt's. This will was going to stand up in court of law and charge and changes the entire financial situation. You and Kurt can go home, and I'll get the will into probate immediately. But the insurance is not. She was the beneficiary for one of his insurance policies. He smiled at her surprise. There's another one, a half a million dollar policy that he left with the same dealer who asked the will. You and Kurt are co-beneficiaries. He didn't contact us, he exclaimed suddenly. Yes, and that's the interesting part, he said. He tried to contact you, and Janet told him that you and Kurt were out of the country on an extended vacation. She planned to go and talk to him the very day you made the remarks about Violet's father and having locks put on your bedroom door. She ran for her life before she had time to try and get the rest of your inheritance. Maybe she had some idea of what the seller was guarding and decided that the insurance policy would hold for her for a while without risking arrest. Oh, thank God, she said to her with a laugh. Thank God we can go home. <laughs> Apparently, he agreed smiling. I'm going to drive up to San Antonio today and get those documents in the coin collection. She was suddenly concerned. Well, what if Janet hears about it? She had that friend in San Antonio call and try to get us off the property. She's up early. That's why they were trying to get us out of the house. They knew about the coin collection. She said back down heavily. Well, they can they, but they could be dangerous. Cash drivers come with me. She pushed her lips amusingly. Okay. He chuckled. Nobody is going to try to attack me with Briar in the car, even if he isn't armed. Good point, you So call your brother and tell him the news, he said, and stop worrying. You're going to land on your feet, Libby. How's Violet? She asked without thinking. I stood up his hands deep in pocket. She and her mother are distraught, as you might imagine. He never realized that Mr. Hardy had been the victim of foul play. I've tried to keep it out of the papers, but when Janet's caught, it's going to be difficult. Is there anything I can do? He smiled. Take them a pizza and let Violet talk to you about it. He suggested she misses working here. I'll miss her too. He shifted her. I offered to let her come back to work here. He did. She asked enthusiastic. She's going to think about it. He had. You might uh, tell her how shorthanded we are and that the temporary woman we got had to quit. Maybe she'll feel sorry for us and come back. She smiled. I'll do my best. He looked off. Thanks. He said stiffly, end of chapter 8.